On today's podcast, I had Cole Rude Johnson on, and Cole is a 23-year-old entrepreneur who's absolutely killing it. He actually talked about how at 21 years old, he was making $250,000 a month in assignments, but it wasn't what it seemed. You guys want to make sure you stay to the end to listen to why that is. Along the way, we talk about how he got really sick um, at that age while running a business from his bed, things he had to learn from that. We also talked about how we met personally at this Maui Mastermind a few years back and how some of the things we had talked about then have come true for both of us, which is really cool to hear. Um, along with that, he actually flips the script and becomes the podcast host and asked me a bunch of questions, which uh, made me think about uh, some things I'm doing that I think you guys are all going to find beneficial. So with that being said, make sure you stay to the end. People don't fail at real estate because they suck. They fail because there's too many ways to succeed. That's why I suggest you focus on the most important skill in all of real estate, which is finding deals. I'm Colbert Johnson, and in this podcast, I share the exact steps I've used to source 400 deals by age 24. This will allow you to do three things, control your deal flow, make unlimited income, and build your empire as an off-market operator. Today, I've got somebody that I met a couple of years back when he was just a young baby-faced kid, and then today he's still a young <laughs> Babyface kid, but he's making a ton of dough wholesaling, flipping, running a VA company. And he just happened to be here in Vegas. And so I knew I had to get him on the podcast and reconnect with him. I've got none other than Cole Rude Johnson. What up, dude? What up? Thanks for having me on, man. It's been uh it's been a while. It's been three years. It has been. Yeah. I met uh Cole at this infamous, if you've been following, um, Maui Mastermind. This is back in 2019. My good buddy Brandon Turner. Mm. You know, held this mastermind for what? How many people? Like 20 people? I would say that that first cohort is probably 20 people, yeah. Yeah, so we had about 20 people there. Um, met Cole. I think you were probably the youngest one there. I was, I had just turned 21. So that was in, I think, July. It was summer, right? Yeah. And I turned 21 in May. So yeah, I was, a, I was a baby. Yeah, I remember talking to you. You know, he was crushing it at 21. And I was like, dude, when I was 21, I was, uh, just got drafted by the Oakland A's making 1200 a month. Mm-hmm. This guy's talking about making... Hundreds of thousands. I'm like, dude, this is crazy. And just to see like how talented you're already at that age and to, you know, see your career progress now is like pretty cool, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, it was just uh the story of how I got to that mastermind is probably the craziest thing. I don't even know the story. What is it? So uh, I'll kind of take it all the way back. Um, so I started out, I was, a, I was an athlete. I was a basketball guy. Um, so I played basketball in high school. My dream was always to play in college. So I got a, uh, a spot on a uh, Division two team in L.A., at Zusa Pacific. Um, and I got there for a semester, and I, I remember sitting in a business management class. And being, I don't know, I was like, well, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing. I had that competitive side to me, and I was just so unfulfilled sitting in a classroom. So um, I dropped out. And uh, that's kind of my first leap of faith. I dropped out and um, got my license. Um, I was probably the worst real estate agent of all time. <laughs> like I did the normal open house, um, cold calling, cold calling expired, the whole the whole nine, and uh, just was not for me. Um, so at that point, I don't I don't know how far you want me to get into the the whole story right now. But yeah, man, uh, tell me. Um, so at that point, I went and hung my license with the brokerage, my third brokerage, because it was the brokerage's fault that right, I, was, right. I was a terrible agent, not yep. mine. <laughs> <laughs> and they had an off-market side. So I saw the whole A to Z, you know, here's – they were more going after foreclosures. So they had a foreclosure team where um, they would go out and they'd kind of pre-scope out the properties for the week. And then they'd invite all their investors to their office and do a presentation, pretty much pre-sell them. 
and then go out and write checks for the properties. And I thought it was fascinating because I felt like I could more sit behind a computer and scale that company than being out walking properties to sellers and buyers and all that kind of stuff. Um, so at that time, me and a buddy, uh, my buddy Paul, we went to Applebee's one night, two for 20. And uh, we sat there and we went, let's try this wholesale thing. I saw $40,000 checks on Instagram. And I go, well, if they can do it, we might as well give it a run. And for the next six months, we sat in my parents' attic at a little room upstairs in their house. And we cold called ourselves with no deal. We just sat there every day, banged it out for four or five hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did one deal, which is our first deal was 105 grand. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I'm like, I think I'm the king of the world. And then getting back to the Maui thing, the next month, I'm at an event. Um, which I had just started, um, and I see Nate and Taro, who are kind of like the, the social media guys in Seattle, um, who I think you, Nate, they're probably both in Maui at the time. Yep, yep. Yeah, Nate was there too. So I go to LA Fitness that night after the event. It was my normal spot after the office to go work out, whatever, play basketball, and Nate gets on the sauna next to me. I was, gets on the, um, the treadmill next to me. I was going to say, was he naked? <laughs> <laughs> so he gets on the treadmill next to me, and okay. I, uh, I do the normal, you know, I was never the guy that's like, hey, let's get coffee. I was like, hey, I have a legit business. This is what I do. Um, I think I can help you in this way. At the time, I was really good at CRM stuff. So I was like, I think I can help you with this. Um, and he was like, okay, I'll try to set it up. And uh, had coffee with him and Taro. And then we started doing a bunch of deals together. But, yeah, that whole Maui thing, I got there by, you know, I had been doing deals and we, you know, did a bunch of flips and did a bunch of things together. Um, but I got to that point by the luck of a draw being on a treadmill next to him and, um having an, enough track record of that track record at that point to them kind of taking me under their wing. And that's how that all started. I got there. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'll say is obviously there's luck involved in everything, but it, it wasn't luck. I mean, the fact that you had already been putting in the work, you went to this event to go network and taking care of yourself at LA fitness. Now that part's probably luck, but, um, you know, it, don't discount that. You know, that's luck. I always obviously believe in fate and everything else, mm-hmm. but, uh, so you start working with Nate and these guys, and mm-hmm. then what happens? It was a slow progression. I mean, we did that first $105,000 check, and I was 19 still, um, going on 20. And we went and we signed a four-year personally guaranteed office lease for five grand a month in Renton, which was, at the time, we had one deal under our belt. Um, Dude, that's crazy. It was nuts. Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was that leap of faith, and it was that athlete mentality of just, like, I'm ready to roll. Like, I don't want to do this halfway like yeah. like i remember i watched a lot of your video like i've seen a lot of your stuff with how you're maxing out your credit cards when you got started it was kind of that same yeah idea of like what's the worst that can happen i'm 19 and thankfully my parents and everyone around me are like yeah what's the worst that can happen is that like, you're 19 you personally guarantee it. you don't have anything <laughs> <laughs> what, what are they gonna i don't t- need your personal guarantee <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's it gonna do what are they gonna take from me like my clothes like i didn't really have anything so i was like what's the worst that can happen and then uh we got in that office and it was 2,000 square feet so it was like six private offices, a conference room, and we sat, we didn't need the space really. So we sat in a conference room and banging the phone still, um, made my first hire, which was our sale, our first sales guy, who's now my partner in the company. And uh, just slowly, we did a deal, you know, tried this thing, lost a bunch of money. We paid another guy for coaching, uh, tried that stuff, did a couple more deals. And we kept reinvesting in coaching and education year after the first two years. I didn't, we didn't pay ourselves more than, three to four grand a month for the first two years. We were investing everything in education and coaching and masterminds and meeting people. And that's really how I think I scaled so quick is that relationship capital and meeting the right people. Um, and that exchange of value has just been everything for us, even to this point. That's the only reason we are where we are because I can make a phone call to someone who's been through it. And yeah, it's 
Yeah, that's super cool. So that leads you to the Maui Mastermind, mm-hmm. which is what how we met. So at that point, were you Nate partners or what was your relationship? No, so we weren't business partners at all. They had their own company and we were, at that point we started selling them a lot of deals. Uh, and it was kind of strategic. Like honestly, they don't pay the most in that area. Right. Um, but I, I, I knew at the time, I was like, I'll take 10 grand less than a deal to build that relationship. Right. So we built that over, I'd say a year before I got an invite to that mastermind. Yeah. And, um, but no, they were just, they were just out there doing their thing and we, uh, had met and started doing, that's how I got, did my first flips too. I'd partner with people. Uh-huh. So I'd, uh, I'd bring the deal and um, we'd split it 50, 50 and they'd walk me through how, how they did, did their it. scope, how they did everything. Yeah. And that's how I, that's how I, like last year was our first year actually like flipping, flipping. Mm-hmm. Um, and we probably did five to 10 last year, mostly cosmetic, but that's how we got into that too. It was just, Hey, we have all this inventory. We'll bring the deal. Show me step-by-step step how you do everything. Yeah. And that's how that took off. Yeah. yeah. No, that's super dope. So at the mastermind, what did you learn, you know, being around these other guys? I think the biggest thing for me, what it, what that did being a part of that group is all the cr- crazy companies those guys had, you know, Charles McKinney had, he'd been, you know, pretty much the head of Fannie Freddie for a while and had a big company and, you know, Jimmy Daner meeting you and meeting all the guys that were doing all these cool things. And, um, being around it for a couple of days and seeing the, seeing that they're normal people um, that are just every single day showing up and putting in the work. And, uh, and also for me is I, I never really understood how people like, you know, being in college, I hated that. Um, I never could see myself working a normal job. And it was the first time I really felt validated of like that. That's the right path for me. And these people are very similar mm-hmm. and they're somewhere I want to be. Right. So it wasn't anything tactical. I learned during that mastermind that was like, this is going to make me X amount of money. It was more the mindset of um, being around that kind of caliber of people for a couple of days in a row at that Just age. Just for the first at that time. Age, yeah. yeah. It broke my brain. I'm like, you're doing what? How? You have how many employees? Yeah. And hearing that over and over and over again is what uh, set me on this trajectory for sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So uh, pre-show we were just catching up and stuff and you reminded me of something that happened at that mastermind for me. Um, so this was like July of 2019 mm-hmm. and you were like, do you remember back at that mastermind? You said like you wanted to go hard at social media and stuff. And I was like, I guess that was like the first tipping point of like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to take this serious because I was, we were just doing our breakout rooms and um, I had, She's she's on Instagram, Investor Girl Brit. She's like, you should totally do it. You should you have good content, um, and I think you would really blow up if you just took it serious. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I still I was like, I believe that it will help, but I didn't fully like believe. And I came back from the mastermind. I hired a video a videographer, and we pretty much just made quick little two minute videos for Instagram and stuff. Nothing the way I do now. Mm-hmm. And it did okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we were doing good, better than 99% of people as far as like what it takes to, you know, when was that, nobody. Was that TikTok at that time? Or was no, it, there was no TikTok. Okay. This was just, Before I was TikTok. putting them on Instagram. And, you know, even then, I didn't really even value YouTube at all. Mm-hmm. I just, I told them, I got, just throw it on YouTube, whatever. Two minute videos, which we know on YouTube isn't the way to go. You know, YouTube videos should be 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so, Anyways, I, I do that for like six months after that event, but you know, really nothing happens with it. And then um, COVID hits and I'm like, huh. And I start looking around and seeing everything else that's going on. I'd already gone through now just like kind of 
for six months having a videographer for the first time and like seeing myself as like a content creator. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to take social media seriously, I need to learn from the people who have done it successfully. Because right now I'm just making whatever I feel like making. Mm -hmm. And so I just started studying these guys who were killing YouTube, who were doing good on TikTok. And I said, okay, obviously this is why I'm not having the success I want because I'm not doing it the right way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that was the shift. But I guess... There was this six months leading up mm-hmm. to that final, like, okay, it's time to take it, it serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I think it's a lesson for people too that you may hear something and you may be like, yeah, I want to do it, but it may not actually truly click until down the road. And that's what I think it is for any entrepreneurial endeavor, but real estate especially, is you need that six, 12, 18 months of giving yourself that grace of nothing needs to happen in the first six, 12, six, 12 months. As long as you're, uh, you know, showing up, you're joining. Like I think joining coaching groups is one of the biggest thing you can do mm-hmm. uh, because you get around those people and you you see it's tangible. And for me, I remember we did the we did the vivid vision, um, yep. the, the exercise there in Maui. And I came back with a normal like, oh, I want to make this amount of money, and I want to, you know, my business to do this. And hearing some of the things that have come true from that, like uh, our buddy Brandon Turner's vivid vision, that he had now he has a big fund. He had did not have any part of that fund set up at that time. Right. And I remember his vivid vision of, I want to be on my surfboard all day and we're, you know, $10 million and 50 employees and buying all this stuff. And I think most people from that event's vivid vision has come true. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because like you said, you're six months, that probably wasn't the first time where you had that, like, I want to do this. And mm-hmm. you have that lag period of, it's like that. I saw a graph one time. It's like, you have an idea, you think it's awesome. It's going to be amazing. Then you have that like valley of despair. Like, oh, this is harder than I thought. Yeah. Oh, this isn't easy as I thought. This is going to take longer than I thought. And then you get traction, and then it's and then it's back up. So 100%, dude. Yeah. I'll give you three examples of that. The The first was I got into real estate in 2010, yet I didn't flip my first house until 2015. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, why did this take five years? Like, I knew about house flipping in 2010. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I wanted to flip a house. Like, I was like, dude, yeah, this would be tight. But it took five years for me to, like, figure it out. Uh, the second we just talked about with social media, finally, after just like getting somebody else who had already had success in social media, which in this case was Brit telling me you need to do it. It's worth it. And then finally doing it after like eight months after she told me mm-hmm. I finally did it. And then, um, like another one would be, uh, well, actually two other ones. So one would be the wealthy way. You know, I've had this vision to do the wealthy way for a while. And it's not that I've been procrastinating or anything else. It's just like I've had this idea for at least a year, but I just didn't know how to put it together Mm -hmm. and what it was going to actually look like for the end product. And, you know, everything has timing. It just took me a year to, like, really work through what I wanted it to be. And the same thing is true for this NFT project I'm working on. It's like, yeah, I've been learning about NFTs for the last year. You know, I've known I want to do one, but I'm just not there yet as far as, okay, these are how it's going to be. Like, I need, I still need to work through all these things. And I'm way closer today than I am, you know, a year ago. But it just goes to show you can have a great idea today. And if you don't have success tomorrow, that's normal. And one of the hardest things I struggle with on that is I'll have an idea. I know it's going to take a while. But in that kind of waiting time for it to pop, I see 10 other things that I want to get my hands on. And that's, that's where I think a lot of people get caught up to is that, that middle ground of sticking to that one thing and giving it that it's fair runway. 
um, especially for you, I'm sure you have so many opportunities come through. How do you focus on that? Okay, you choose the wealthy way. You're going to focus on that for, build it out for a year. And in the meantime, 300 other projects come across your table. Yep. How do you prioritize that stuff at this point? Because I mean, yeah, yeah. that's the hard thing because we're constantly being bombarded with ideas like as time goes on. And as entrepreneurs, we're like, oh, yeah, that can make money. That can make money. Let's go make money here. And I see a lot of guys do that. And then I see them like, yeah, you know, I, I got 10 different businesses. And I'm like, tell me about them. I've never heard of them. And they're like, oh, well, you know, it's this. I do this. I'm like, those aren't businesses, dude. Like, yeah, you, you're just whatever. I'm like, tell me how many, like, brands you've built. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, to me, a business. And so when I look at any kind of income stream, I'm like, okay, am I willing to put everything required into building this out as a legitimate business? Am I willing to go hire a COO to work on the messaging, the brand, all these things that I know, because I've done it over and over again, like lead to sustained success, not flash in a pan crap that a lot of people do. That's that's what I'm trying to get better at right now. And also, um, what, I'm, what I'm starting to realize at 23, it's, I feel... 30 in business just because I've <laughs> yeah I've been you know every day at it for four years now but I've been noticing too those first couple of years of business for me at least was I didn't you don't have I don't think anyone has naturally that operational side of business you have an idea you flip a couch you flip a house um, whatever that is but you don't really know how to take that to a business Unless that's your thing for a long period of time. If like I found when I was doing 10 things at once, none of those things became real companies. Right. They were all, they, they kept me as a solopreneur. Okay, I do this, I do that, I do this, everything at 100%. Um, and now I'm really starting to realize that um, I, would, I would way rather have one bridge mm -hmm. with someone that can run at 80% 80, 80 of capacity of me and then I can move on to the next one. Yeah. And I think I've been telling people that I, I talk to is just you have to be in business long enough at the beginning of your career to fail enough to learn those operational things um, and somehow survive that first period before you can really turn your little bridges into companies, mm -hmm. um, which is cool to see because in Maui you had your flipping thing. That was your thing. You're like, yeah. this is my, th we're doing 150 flips a year, yeah. which is insane. Um, but I think the, the attitude in that room, everyone, um, James Daynard from Seattle is kind of that entrepreneur. I want to build, I want to scale more things. I want to create was, okay, what's next? Yeah. Um, so I'm piggybacking on that. How do you decide what's next for you? Is, yeah. is it an energy thing? Is it a, I know the wealthy way is all based around like the five things around. Yeah. I would say for me, um, at this point, my career is obviously different than it was, you know, two and a half years ago in Maui. And I've learned a lot since then that um, things I was doing that I didn't know I was doing. I've learned a lot about myself and the decisions I've made. And here's the thing with uh, business and decisions is time kind of reveals all. And so I've realized over time that a lot of the things I've been thinking were right have been proven true. And so now I have even more belief and confirmation in what I'm doing. And so part of the thing is like with the wealthy way, teaching people all those things. Because before I had ideas of what I thought was mm -hmm. the right way to do things, but there was no proof. Mm -hmm. And so now when I go into it, I'm like, okay, I do have this established root of beliefs that I know are true because they've worked over and over again. I've seen other people take other routes that just don't work. And when it comes to starting a new business, I've realized that it always is going to take more time. 
out of your day. And so you're going to have to allocate that time from something else in your life. Mm-hmm. Now, that could be another business. It could be your family. It could be your faith. It could be your health. But the thing that people don't know is there's always a cost to starting the business. And people think only in the monetary, how much is it going to cost me to get this thing up and running? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I don't care about that. How much time? Is this going to take from away me? from kids away from everything? Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And so like also too, the thing in my life now is like, I don't need any more money. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Like with what I got, I'm totally fine and they're going to keep running. And so for me to change my lifestyle at any moment now is just like, dude, you better be presenting me some major opportunity that like gets me to adjust what I've got going on. Cause I'm good. And for me, NFTs are that. Um, because I think the opportunity is so big. Well, it's a big enough that that's going to take me to a whole nother level. Yes. Yep. Yep. So it it has to take me to something that's so different than anything currently. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my barometer because if I was just going to go start another house flipping company and it's going to go make me another few million, I wouldn't do it. Or like ground up or all the, uh, the normal avenues people go from flipping is okay. Now I'm going to do development. Now I'm going to do this. And it's just, so it's, you're looking for stuff that's going to take you to a whole nother. It's just so different, right? And because the businesses are are doing really well, um, you know, because like flipping was just the first avenue and that was the first way I made, you know, millions. And then you get into the tech space of, well, not the tech, but, you know, the more digital space where margins are way higher in, you know, education, e-com. And you're like, whoa, this is way better than flipping as far as owning and running a business. Mm -hmm. Um, And I enjoy it more. So you do that. And then I start to see, what the possibilities are with NFTs and all this metaverse stuff. And I'm like, this blows all of them out of the water and it's not even close. And then I look at like my positioning now where I'm like, okay, I've got an audience. I've got people who will buy this. Mm -hmm. I've got a built-in group of core customers that I've developed over the years in my other companies. They'll support. And yeah, I just look at, I'm like, this is worth my time. I think NFTs are like one of the coolest things ever, like the contract behind them, the fact that like if it existed, I could go out and I could buy an NFT that had a contract behind it that said, okay, I get to spend three days a year in office with Ryan Pineda and shadow him. I think that's the the coolest concept to me. And I think like it's going to become a part of every single business. It will. Every single plane ticket you have one day is going to be, everything's going to be NFT. Yeah. And that we talked about things clicking earlier. Um, You know, I've been researching it for a year. Mm -hmm watching and observing i said okay this thing it should be cool like this is a cool thing and then recently it clicked and i was like dude this is way bigger than i thought Mm -hmm. and there's a path here that i know that i have this unique opportunity and time to capitalize on you know it's like the internet that's how i see it like man dude all these companies that you know got started when the internet got started they Mm -hmm. killed it and you know, you look back at 2010 when no one had money and all these hedge funds bought all these houses. I'm like, dude, unique opportunities and time to kill it. Yep. Uh, and I see that now with NFTs. Like, we're still so early. I mean, obviously, it's it's people are talking about it. People are aware of it. And I think that's the best time because you're not too early where nobody has a clue of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But you're not too late where everybody's already done it and their mom. Yep. I, think, I think it's unique because... I don't even think most people have really understood. There's a lot of people are buying it to flip it. And yeah. I think it's going to make a bunch of money. No one's really buying that stuff yet for the utility. I don't think. No. I think when that happens, 
then I think we're in, we're in, you know, we're in the first inning of that stuff. Oh yeah. So, yeah. So that's what I'm excited about, man. Cause I, we're working on a full on ecosystem for the NFT and, um, both meta and real world utilities and, I can't reveal a lot on the podcast, but let me tell you. <laughs> I'm digging. I'm trying to dig for the, yeah. the people out there. I might I might get you on the white list. It's going to be nuts, dude. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude. So that to answer your question, that's how I do it. It's just like it better at this point in my career, it has to be just an enormous opportunity mm-hmm. for me to go put not just like literal time into it, but also mental energy. People, So people just think from monetary or monetary perspectives usually. What's this going to cost me, right? The next level is, okay, how much physical time will this cost me? Like that, you know, most people don't even think of that, but if you do, that's great. But the next level, even from that, is how much mental energy is this project going to take for me? Because I spend so much of my day thinking through, like, scenarios and, you know, basically, like, uh, take for example, right now, it's just pure mental energy with the NFT. It's not like I'm physically writing these contracts or anything. I'm literally spending energy every day sitting around thinking of, like, okay, if we do it this way, here's how it ends up playing out. What would happen in phase one? What would happen in phase two? Okay, if we go about it this way, this hurts us in phase three, mm-hmm. how we're doing it. So I'm, like, already playing it's out. A mental bandwidth, yeah. Yeah, and so by the time I think of it, and, you know, if I sat there thinking for 30 minutes, an hour, I'm already spent. I'm like, all right, that's all I got for today because I'm just not creative after that. I'm mentally drained. And um, these are the things that separate businesses from other businesses. Is like there has to be somebody who's willing to think through, like, a chess match of what's happening. I think that's the way businesses take the leap. Like, when I, when I was in Maui, I was so caught in the day-to-day. I was so in the business every single day. I was doing pretty much two to three roles. And uh, at that mastermind, someone asked me, they were like, um, I think it was Brandon, he's like, do you ever just sit there and think? Do you like you have time during your day where you're just thinking about how to take stuff to the next level? Um, and that's that's the biggest thing is getting to a point where you can do that. Because the first year or two in a business, you can't really do that. Um, so it's, you almost have to take a step back Say you're making 300 grand flipping flipping houses by yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to take that step back. I'm going to bring on an acquisition guy. I'm going to make 150 instead of 300 this year. Right. You can start taking that time to think and actually building a business and an ecosystem around that idea. Yeah. Um, which is what I'm just starting to to get to now. I actually tell our students that at Future Flipper a lot, especially the experienced ones. So like, if you're not doing a lot of deals yet, fine. Right. You don't really need to be thinking. You need to be doing. See, like the beginners have the problem of paralysis analysis. They mm-hmm. think too much instead of just doing. But the, the experienced scaled people have the opposite problem. They're doing too much and they don't have enough time to think. Mm-hmm. And so I tell our guys, I go, hey, just a theoretical question, okay? You, just say you made a million bucks last year. Most coaching programs will tell you, hey, go scale. You know, how do we get you to two? Like 99%. I'm like, these guys are idiots. They don't get it. I go, if you could still make a million dollars next year, but I cut your time in half that you're in the business, would you take that or would you say, hey, I want to spend the same amount of time, but I want to make one and a half, two? Which choice would you pick? And it just kind of tells me how they value things because to me, the obvious choice is make the million, spend half the time or even less Mm -hmm. in the business because now you get to choose what you want to do next, whether it be, 
you know, spend time with your family, hang out. You're still making a million dollars. Like, I'm not asking this to people who are making 50 grand or 100 grand. Or build that next bridge. Exactly. I'm asking this to the people who've clearly made enough money, and now you have a choice. You can continue to grind the same way you grind and grind harder, or you have the choice of, do I want to take a step back so that I can have a huge leap forward, maybe not next year, but the year after. Because when you get a year to think and to relax and to hang, I don't know. I do it, and I just keep taking leaps forward because I am so mentally, like, fresh. Mm-hmm. You don't hit those plateaus. You don't hit that. You don't have I don't three, have plateaus. You don't have three years in a row where your, your business, that one business is the same level when you're in it the same amount. You have that. You get a step back, and yeah, 100%. And with me, at least for that free time, like, you're an athlete, too. You're a baseball player. Yep. Like, for me, that when I have that free time, that kind of, and I feel little more fresh that kind of competitive drive and that that eagerness comes back and it's the next thing yeah and that's the yeah and that's for me too is like being as athletes i get bored you know so, so bored, yeah i'm like okay you know what's next and what's next can mean many things it can mean do i want to scale this current business like what's that look like do i want to start a new business like what's that look like and you know um do you have a number that you want to you want to get to where you like Everyone asks that question, like, is there a number you have in mind where you're like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to kind of s- settle things down. No, no. You don't have that. I want to travel the world and live in wherever for a year. Yeah. No, I don't have any of that. Yeah. I um, I enjoy working. Mm-hmm. I do too, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, they're like, when are you going to retire, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what am I going to do with my life? It's the game. Like, showing up to the office is the thing. Yeah, it's the game. Yeah. And my game is that I want to keep innovating new things that nobody's thinking about. And also, too, um, still part of the game is maintaining the quality of life I want to maintain. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's just it really is a game. Like, okay, if these are my conditions at which I can play the game, I have to leave the office by 5. I'm not working weekends. I have to do X, Y, Z. How do I optimize to play the game to the best of my abilities within these constraints? Like. Why do you think that came to you at such a young age? Like, I, I don't think anyone really, even that I've met, that's 50 or 60 in business, has the the uh, the ability to step back and say, okay, I'm not going to work 12 hours a day. Everyone does. I still do it. Like, when I'm feeling good enough to work, I'm working mm-hmm. every single moment I can. Yeah. Like, what pro- like what prompted that? For me, I've never even had that, like, th- that thought to be like, okay, how do I structure my week first and then fill in the gaps with business? Mine's business is all week, and mm-hmm. how do I structure and the other stuff around it? Good question, man. Um, it's funny because people ask me, they're like, okay, that, I get that that's what you're doing now, but what did you do in the beginning? And I'm like, do you think I was more busy in the beginning than I am now? Like, you see all this crap going on? Like, it's it's a mindset from the beginning. Um, for me, I was kind of forced into it by playing baseball. It was like, okay, well, I play baseball, and I also want to run a real estate business. Like, how can that even be possible? So I said, okay, well, I have to practice two hours a day. I got to work out and I got to do this. Okay. That only leaves me three hours to work on my real estate business. Okay. Let's do this. Boom. Then I go out to the season and I'm like, does my business die because I'm not there? Or is there a way to keep it going without me? So you were flipping while you were playing professional baseball. I flipped at least 50 houses while I was playing. And you're, you're not in Vegas. You're somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere else. And so I think thinking creatively of like, do I want one career to end while the other goes? Because mm-hmm. some other people would say, well, I have to quit baseball 
to go do real estate. I mean, you made that choice with basketball. Mm-hmm. You said, I'm going to go all in on this. And that's fine. Most people are good at going all in. That That's the advice I would give 99% of people. Mm-hmm. But like for me, I said, no, nah, there's a way to do both. I just have to figure it out. And so I figured it out. I thought creatively of like how this would have to work. And so like one reason in real estate that I never did direct marketing for my first three years is because it was literally impossible. I was like, if I'm cold calling for three hours a day, how is anything going to get done? Mm-hmm. And so I said, I have to find other ways to get deals that don't require my time. Mm-hmm. So I leveraged wholesalers and realtors yeah. and all these things. And everyone asked that question starting out was how do I get started? And there's two scenarios is you have a bunch of time yeah. and you're spending every single waking hour on the phone or door knocking or putting up bandit signs. And as you have a little bit of money or you're a little creative and you find other organic ways to bring deals in. Dude, even to this day, I said this at my last event. Um, I go, how many of you guys did Mike Ferry, right? You know, a bunch of people in the realtors, like, yeah, you know, he says wake up at seven and or before that, call, start calling at seven. I go, how many hours did you guys cold call a week? And they're like, oh man, like 34 hours a week, you know, we cold call. And I go, dude, you guys have cold call more in one day than I have in my life. Mm-hmm. Legit. Because I just didn't do it from the beginning. And at that point, as I had established my business, I was like, why would I do this now? Like, mm-hmm. there's no point. And so I think I was thinking creatively from the beginning, and then it naturally parlayed into other things as my life started to get more complex. You know, I was married, then we had a kid, then we have a second kid, then I have more businesses, then I decide I want to film and do social media. Mm-hmm. Then I like, so every path along the way, it's just this natural thing of like, okay. You know, we're adding a new piece to the pie. What's it look like? And then you have a decision to make. And the decision could simply be hiring people, giving up some of your equity to make sure that somebody else is willing to take, you know, accountability for it. It could be down the road. This is what I anticipate happening. It hasn't happened yet. But, you know, selling, Mm -hmm. saying, okay, these businesses just aren't worth my time. They're very valuable. You know, they're great businesses, but I don't have the time capacity to even worry about them. Question. So you're when you're playing professional baseball, you have like, okay, there's a place I can take this. Yep. You can make a lot of money playing baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, and at the same time, you have a flip thing. You go, okay, I can take this to this level. Mm-hmm. How did you decide which future to cut? At what? Because you're doing both for a while, but yeah. eventually, I, I run into that all the time. It's like you have two businesses, they're both requiring a lot of time. Yep. How do you decide which one to kind of set to the side? Yeah. So, the two, the two things you would look at is what you enjoy the most and what's, you know, the biggest opportunity in the future. So like with baseball, um, the first three years I was playing, I was with the Oakland A's. And so like I was at, I was a hundred percent committed to baseball. didn't care about real estate. Where is that? Where do they put you for uh, the, the level you were at? Where were you? Living? Um, dude, I lived in Vancouver, Canada. I lived in uh, Burlington, Iowa, Arizona, uh, Stockton, California. And it's a grind, right? It's a grind, dude, a every grind. day, yeah. every day, nonstop. So you know, I was fully focused on getting to the big leagues and also only because I'd still never had success in real estate. So what happened was in 2015, I'd already gotten released by the A's. I was playing independent baseball. And so things shifted. I'd kind of given up the dream of baseball and I was like kind of looking for my next career, but I still wanted to play baseball just because I freaking loved it. I'm like, I'm gonna play baseball until they tell me I'm, I'm not good enough anymore. I don't care what they pay me. I'm just going to keep playing because I love it. And so I just kept doing that. And then my businesses started growing and growing. And then it finally in 2017 hit um, a crossroads where business was growing so well 
that I couldn't do both. Mm. It became impossible. I was literally doing deals in the dugout and in the locker room. <laughs> I, no, seriously, I was emailing. I was I was talking to realtors like, dude, close the deal. I'm in North Dakota. Like, dude, just close it. It was crazy. That's nuts. Yeah, because I think I had that year, I don't even, maybe like I had like 15 flips going on while playing at once. And I was like, this is becoming a bit much. And I was a one-man show. I just had me and one guy helping me in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So... I've always said that athletes are the best entrepreneurs. That's the best story I've heard of a <laughs> best analogy of that is doing both the same professionally at the same time. I was like, I can do both. Yeah. And I did. And eventually, you know, I went all in on business and I've really only been in business for four years. Mm-hmm. Like as far as I'm a businessman, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's who you are instead yeah. of a baseball player and a businessman. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, man, that's uh, I would say that's the, reason how I've been able to like naturally go about it because I didn't have a mentor telling me this. Nobody Mm. teaches this. No. And that was why I created the wealthy way because I was like, nobody teaches the way I think and like what I believe is right. But I think what I think is right. And I think there's going to be a lot of people who benefit from it. Mm. And I was like, I'm just going to give it away for free. I think what it's what everyone finds out, but much later in life, way later, like the first mastermind I went to, there was this, the guys that were teaching it, they helped me a lot tactically, like the stuff they taught us about business. But their thing was, we're in the office 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And it's a grind, it's a sweat. And then I see them on Instagram and, you know, they're telling their stories they're dealing with, you know, they're, they're burning themselves out. They're dealing with all kinds of anxiety mm-hmm. and stuff. And then they figure it out at 50 or 45. And then they come back and they tell us as a group, which happened. And then they come back and say, you guys got to revalue your family yeah. and your health and your life. But they taught us one thing learned the hard way, came back. And uh, I think everyone goes through that process. And I think that's helping people. I I still feel like there's a part of it. You kind of have to feel the burnout to like Mm -hmm. really be like, okay, I never want to feel that way again. Well, it's just, it's, and whether it's burnout or whether it's finally that click where you finally Mm -hmm. accept it, it's the, they're all the same thing of like, yeah, you can hear the information, but you don't receive it until one day it just finally clicks. Like, dude, I've heard that, but I just didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah, crazy, man. that's the same point. I got to a point, and so we we'd done this huge run up of we were in we were wholesaling in St. Louis and Sacramento and Fresno and California and Washington, and we were doing two hundred to two hundred fifty k a month. And I was 21, 21. crazy. You want to twenty two? Yeah, nuts. And we had twelve guys in the office, and like we had a, a real operation. But even me and my partner, after the, everything was said and done, um, we're taking home. We had no quality of life. We were in the office all managing fifteen people was yeah. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing as a business owner at the time. And so we were making 250, taking home five to 10 grand a month each. Really? And yeah. Wow. Yeah. And at the point I was like, I would rather go work a, I would rather go work for someone and leave the office than do this for, for, you know, the rest of my life. So burnt out, split up with my business partner and kind of did what you do, what you're talking about. I took, I took a full step back Yeah. and I said, I would, I would rather make half of what I would rather revenue to be half of what it is right now half the people half the hassle and that changed everything because when we make way more now and it's with way less headache people and less headache yeah that's what i tell people i'm like dude there's a way to have way less headache way better quality of life and make way more money like i just continue to do that and i'm like man why don't people know this it's <laughs> like it's like when you're getting started and it doesn't seem feasible to run a business and once you get enough people around you like you can do it you can start a business yeah uh, they're doing it. It's the same thing. You see, I mean, because I'm I'm on Instagram. I see you. You are leaving the office at 5 p.m. every day. I'm chilling, dude. Yeah, 
It's nuts. And the only reason I show that is just to show people, like, like, dude, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make me more money. Like, I actually, I take that back. I do think it makes me more money leaving early and sending these constraints because it's allowed me to be more creative. Mm-hmm. And then when I am in the office, I got all the energy in the world because I'm not burnt out. You're fresh. You show up every day fresh. Yeah, yeah I show up fresh, yeah. dude. And, I mean, you guys were waiting on me. I was I, sorry I was late to the office today. You guys were here at 10, and I was like, I got to make sure my workout gets done, yeah. man. And, it's a non-negotiable. Yeah, and so yeah. I was a little late, but um, I'll be out of here by 5, yeah. maybe earlier. We'll see. Yeah. When I was getting started, I didn't have any of those non-negotiables. I was like, work's my God, work's my everything. And yeah, I'm, 99% yeah. of people don't. Yeah. So I, you actually remember you got sick. Yeah, I got I got really sick. So and which is it's kind of just still figuring it out. So and when I was twenty one, I kind of had a crazy run up. I burn out. I got I got really sick. So pretty much bed bound for almost a year. Couldn't drive. Could barely see. Uh, could barely. It was after the mastermind, like two months after it kind of all started happening. I had no idea what was going on, and actually just recently, uh, kind of figured it out. What was but, going well, on? Well, I'm fighting. It's it's. Most likely, uh, mostly caused by Lyme disease. Okay. Which I have no idea really how I got or when I got it, but it's been a, uh, it's been a running a business from bed for pretty much a year after that Maui Mastermind. 21, when I turned 21, I had two months of being healthy or three months of being healthy. And then um, from pretty much then to, I would say, last summer, I was pretty much in bed. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. You look good now. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm getting there for sure. Yeah, it's just one of those. It showed me too the, the power of, like you have to build a business because if you have a family or you have people that depend on you, employees, like you're assuming responsibility for all those people. And if something happens to you or you have to step away for a while, there someone has to write their checks. Something has to. So it really forced me the past two years to rethink everything. Well, and look, I mean, obviously going through health issues is terrible, yeah. but it did force you to think differently than how you mm-hmm. thought because your default setting is, oh, well, I can just go do it myself. No, no, yeah. But literally, when yeah. you cannot do it yourself, yeah. which is my point in baseball, I could not do it. I don't, I'm don't. i in a different state. Mm-hmm. How, how can we still do this? Yeah, because, I mean, I, on a good day, I had two hours of functional work capacity. So was, and our businesses took off when I had that. So that really showed me, like, I don't need to be the guy and do everything. Because right. within two hours each day, I was, you know, we were growing multiple companies. Right. So, I mean, it's fascinating and it doesn't, doesn't take getting there to figure that, to figure yeah, that out. That's the thing, guys, if you're listening to this and you're feeling a little burnout or anything else, my answer is start putting limits on yourself and constraints. And I promise you, I talk about this in the wealthy way. It's called Parkinson's law. If you just give yourself a certain amount of time to do something, you will get it done. Okay. If your time horizon is 12 hours, like many entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. Guess what? I mean, you get your crap done and it takes you 12 hours. But if you say, I need to get this done in six, you can get it done in six. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're inefficient, I think you personally could probably get your 12 done in six because you're just wasting time during that 12. But let's just say, you know, physically, you can't do it in six. It's like, you know, by the matter of science, you can't do it. Well, it's going to make you think creatively of, okay, well, who do I got to hire? What do we got to do? Not how, yeah. Who, who can I bring in to fill this, this yeah. void? Yeah. If I know that I have to do this in six, who do I got to bring in? And that's literally how I think. I'm like, as I as I conquer this NFT project, since that's the newest thing I'm doing and the one that's taking my mental energy, I've constantly been thinking about who are these pieces that I need? Okay, what? All right, I need one more guy. This is going to take so much hours of code mm-hmm. and other things. Okay, we need a very creative person, somebody that can 
give us these designs that we're looking for. Who's, who's that going to be, you know? And so I spend my time thinking about the who, not how, and I'm going to launch, I'm, I'm just putting it out here on the podcast. I'm going to launch a very crazy NFT project. That's not going to require very much of my time at all. Just a lot of my mental energy. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, my, that's, <laughs> <laughs> which is, that's an expensive. Yeah, it's expensive. And so too, yeah. I have to make sure that it's worth it. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. But yeah, going through that all has really transformed every business. And I think there's opportunity. I think every entrepreneur has that thing yeah. that they deal with that forces them to rethink things. I don't know someone that hasn't had that experience that kind of shifts. I'd say one other thing that I forgot to mention too is like, okay, when you're using your mental energy and thinking about things, um, the way you become mentally stronger is obviously by not working so much and burning out, but, you know, having fun and being able to turn your mind off too. You know, when I go and golf or I go and work out, my mind's off. Like, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it. You know, I go on date night, my mind's off, like, and it gets time to recharge by having fun and just enjoyment. But do you schedule it? Yeah. Not, yeah. So I, I run into the problem with, I have a bunch of free time and I don't like have things scheduled to do. Like I'm. You default to work. Yeah. Default to being on my laptop. Yeah. Yeah. For me, yeah. I don't do that. I'm like, all right, so I, I've got four hours of free time. What do I want to do? And so I'll go out, go hit some golf balls, play basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I will start writing down just different ideas. Um, I will, um, you know, whatever. Like there's so many things I could do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, it's just like, you got to keep your mental energy. But one thing I do do that helps it is read a lot of books. So I think when I read a lot of books, it allows me to be that much stronger when I'm thinking. When you read it, when you need it. Yeah. 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 Because I'm, I'm just like working out my mind and I'm like, okay, I've seen this scenario play out, not in my own life, but in something I've read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, all I got to say is you turn this interview to an interview of me. But uh, <laughs> I had questions, man. I haven't seen you in two years. You did, you did everything on your, uh, you did everything on your checklist. I think you talked about in Maui. I remember walking. I remember walking with you to dinner one night, and everything you talked to me about that night has happened. So I would just that takes a lot to get to that point in two years. So yeah, you remember more than me of what I said. I don't even remember, but I'm glad that I said I did what I said. Um, <laughs> but dude, no, I'm I'm. I'm just hyped to see like what you accomplished because at 20, you know, three years old now to have already gone through what you've gone through in just a few years and to be where you're at today and have the wisdom to, you know, be around the right people and to understand these priorities. And then to even have the wisdom of, you know, on this podcast to get your questions answered, like more beneficial to you. I mean, you leave it on a five. I'm not getting them answered later. So I'm I'm getting them out now. (laughs) But no, it just shows like, such great wisdom at such a young age, man. So I think you're going to be just killing it. I appreciate it, man. So, well, guys, make sure you go follow Cole on Instagram. It's pretty where you're There's active. a fake account out there right now. A bunch of them trying to, because I, I post a lot and they're trying to scam people out of Bitcoin. So Cole Rude Johnson, not Cole Rude Johnson underscore because yeah. I'm getting scammed. Cole Rude Johnson. We'll link to his real account <laughs> down below. And uh, if you guys like the podcast, make sure you subscribe. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Peace.